Hi, I'm Mark McAllister. Welcome to Chat Tsunami. We're here for a very special month. It's Godzilla month. It's not Godzilla month, it's Digimon month. The other creature month. Pokemon? Yeah. Welcome to Pokemon month. Hello everybody and welcome to the second episode of Pokemon Month. My name's Satsunami and joining me today is none other than the... <laughs> I'm, cr- I'm flinching. <laughs> I'm ready for this. I'm tense. I don't know, Nuzlocker, fan creator, I've got nothing for this one. <laughs> okay. As the one and only wrestler extraordinaire and Pokemon master, Martin McAllister. Martin, welcome back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for the lovely introduction. It is good to be here. I am hyped that we're back for week two. I am hyped to talk about, I think, fan games, beyond the games, just lots of things about the wider world of Pokemon. So what are we chatting about? So with that very subtle introduction... Yeah, today we are going beyond the games, we're going beyond the anime, we're going beyond the, I don't know, beyond the truck. (laughs) Beyond the rumours. And (laughs) (laughs) this is the real truth time, it's Jazz Tsunami. And yeah, today we are going to be talking about Pokemon beyond the games. We are going to be talking about fan games, we're going to be talking about a making hand gesture, (laughs) you can't see. Different ways to play the game. Yeah, we're going to be talking about, yeah different ways to play the games we're going to be talking about yeah just the fan experience of pokemon because let's face it pokemon is one of those rare instances that you can pretty much play it although there is like a set core gameplay loop you can really tackle it in any way you want can't you yeah and i think what's so cool about it is it also lends itself to be very watchable yeah how you play it and there's a reason this game is you know all the pokemon games are so popular on things like twitch and youtube and and even, you know, podcasts were chatting about it, but yeah. it's so popular because it is very watchable regardless of how you play these games. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of what's led to this two branches of the same tree, but fan games and the different ways of playing the game. It's because it's such an easy game loop and it's such an enjoyable game loop to watch. Oh, absolutely. Because it's very simple. It's well recognisable. You know, it's not the biggest media franchise in the world for mm. no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, in gaming especially, if you see that turn-based combat, you see the cute creatures and everything, you know it's going to be Pokemon. And the fact is, because of that gameplay loop, it has attracted so many fans, it's attracted so many people that really want to change it for themselves. Hmm. Because this is the interesting thing that we're going to be talking about today, because let's face it, Martin, you're old, I'm old, yep. we're a very old 29, let's just say <laughs> <laughs> Beyond the precipice, to borrow a phrase from the last week's episode. <laughs> wow. People do have, and this isn't, you know, a hot take or anything, people do want to still have the same nostalgia for a franchise that they've grown up with, that they've loved ever since they were younger. They want to have that same feeling when they play it and, you know, return to it. But then, of course, when you return to it, it's either outdated or you think, oh, this game's a bit childish, because obviously it's <laughs> a game series that is dedicated to kids and as we were talking about last week no amount of realistic blood and a ROM hack is 
going to change that. Yeah, there's been quite a interesting development over the years, hasn't there? Yeah, and I think anytime you talk about this, we have to start with Nuzlocke's. Oh, yeah. I think that comes up to what you're saying. So a Nuzlocke is just a set of rules that people self-impose on the game. But essentially, if your Pokemon gets knocked out in the game, you have to release it. There's all other rules about catching Pokemon and stuff, but I think the core concept is you can no longer just throw your team into battle willy-nilly and hope for the best. And it takes Pokemon, which is a very casual and fun experience, to this is tense and everything matters now. I think that's such a fascinating concept because it kind of covers what you're saying where you do get that nostalgic feeling in, funnily enough, a very similar game to a Pokemon Nuzlocke if anyone's played it's XCOM. And the reason I say that is that's a strategy game where you get to name your characters and then if they die they're gone. And I think that's part of what makes the Nuzlocke so fascinating is you name the Pokemon, you get attached, just like you would when you were a kid. And, you know, everyone has these favourite Pokemon they had when they were kids when they played the games. But now, if you've captured this Pokemon, you've given it its own name. And when you lose that Pokemon, boy, does it hurt. <laughs> oh, it does. Have you played a lot of Nuzlocke? No, I've only ever... <laughs> I've only ever managed to do two because my heart cannot take it. <laughs> I have done several and let me tell you, it does not get easier. <laughs> the very first one, and of all things, I think it was season one or probably more two, but I think it was season two that I did a Chats Through Shorts episode mm. where I talked about my very first experience with a Nuzlocke with Leaf Green. And I have to say, for the most part, it was like... Eh, this is okay, you know, this is interesting. And then I got to that battle where, you know, when you're going to the Elite Four, but before you go to the Indigo Plateau, usually you should fight Gary Oak there, but I don't know if he appears if you fight him at the start of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong in that. It's been a while since I played it, but either way, he ambushed me and I was like, right, okay, this is fine, you know, no problem. And I lost my starter at that point. (laughs) And (laughs) upon trying to grind up and get a very respectable team. I lost maybe 80% of my team. <laughs> Everybody died. All I had was a Kadabra and a Dragonite because I kind of cheated. Well, not cheated, but I went to the game corner sure. because that, I, I didn't pick up Eevee in Celadon City, so I bought my game corner yeah. and I thought, right, okay, I've got two Pokemon here. And then <laughs> I had the shiny Ruin effect and I found a shiny Primate, which those three carried me in that. <laughs> but it was such an emotionally taxing experience because I thought should I just start again should I keep going and then I did I kept going and it was a fantastic experience but it was just oh my heart couldn't take it as you said but the other one that I did which was probably the worst for me was the Pokemon White playthrough that was horrific again I was left with a Embor my starter and a Gyarados because I did the whole thing and then I did the post game I did the Elite Four and everything and I was only left with those two and this is the other thing that I never expected as well because you brought up the idea of having that personal connection with your Pokemon because you name them and everything and the Pokemon that you catch and that you have to and there's obviously like caveats and things you can do to make it a bit more interesting but you have to catch the first Pokemon per route and it means that you have to use Pokemon that you're not really like you wouldn't usually use and one of those Pokemon that I've never really used is one called I think it's 
tadpole or something or time pole. It's like this tadpole Pokemon yeah, in Gen Five, and I remember it evolved into I think it's Palpitoad, and I fell in love with this thing because it's like <laughs> a ground water type. It's a bit like Quagsire mm. in that regard. I loved it. I called it Hoppy. I was really enamoured because it was like a core part of the team. And then I went to this cave and I fought one of the I can't remember what the name is, but it's one of the fossil Pokemon that flies. Oh yeah. And it took out Hoppy and the like <laughs> cave. I was so upset. <laughs> it was my Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Oh, it was heartbreaking. So, like, I was messaging my friends and they were saying things like, oh, do it for Hoppy. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> Hoppy. You know the uh, Simpsons do it for Hoppy? That's what, <laughs> that's what it was like. I was like, oh, this is heartbreaking. It's so tough. But that's the thing, though. See, when I go to play the games normally now, yeah. I can't. No. I genuinely, I cannot play the games normally because when I go to heal my Pokemon that I fainted, I feel as if I'm cheating. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's the way you're supposed to play the game normally, but I, I, I can't play it anymore. It's such a great, so something you mentioned yeah. I want to bring up because one of the great things about Nuzlocking is you are forced into doing things that you wouldn't do. And one of the rules I really like is no items in battle. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, you can't heal in battle and you can't use X attack and stuff. And I think that's another layer of you're taking something that's supposed to be in the game out yeah. and therefore things are going to go wrong now. Yeah. And one of the things I think is so interesting is when, as you say, as well, you've got different Pokemon that you wouldn't use. And all of a sudden you've got a Magikarp in the team or you've got, for me, I never used a lot of the bug Pokemon because you, you, mm-hmm. you bring them into the first wee bit and then they're gone. But then all of a sudden you're sitting there and it's your starter's got like three HP left and you're, you're face to face with a Pokemon. You're like, if I switch, that Pokemon's going to die anyway. <laughs> but would I rather lose this one than this one? And that means I get a clean switch. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're having to go in in-depth tactical analysis oh of what if I get crit when I swap back in the other Pokemon? <laughs> Just complete nonsense. And it's like, this is what this game... This is what's hidden in here. Mm-hmm. Pokemon's incredibly in-depth when you pull it apart and try to get into it. Because what's amazing is, and I don't know if you've ever seen this or if it even exists anymore, but I used to frequent a... I think it was like the Nuzlocke forms that used to be called. It was amazing because it was like this form before I go on. One thing I want to say is it's amazing how this all started because of a webcomic. Yeah. And the reason it's called a Nuzlocke for anyone wondering is because the person who made it, he had a Nuzleaf in his party and for some reason he drew it with the face of, and I've never seen Lost, but it was a face (laughs) of a character called John Locke in that. So then it became Nuzlocke and the rest is history. But I remember Remember the detail in these recounts. It wasn't just people saying, oh, what, what's this Pokemon to come in here? You know, it wasn't like that. It was these huge, sprawling <laughs> stories. The lore. The, some of them were really captivating. You were reading them and then you almost felt their pain yeah. when you were reading it. You're like, this is absolutely incredible. And it's amazing the lore you build. Because one of the other ones that I have to admit I did on stream, I think, was, I have to admit, I was absolutely laughing at this because it was one when I was on Twitch and I said you know what I'm going back to Pokemon again Pokemon Green and I did a Nuzlocke based on it and I had a Raticate I think called mm-hmm. Kevin yeah did yes and then long story short Kevin got bodied by a Snorlax <laughs> <laughs> oh no sorry it was Appa the uh, Butterfree I think mm. got. can't remember what happened to Kevin but he died anyway sorry kids <laughs> 
Christmas is cancelled. Kevin's dead. Kevin dead. <laughs> Rock's wrong, Kevin dead. <laughs> but then later on in the game, I caught a gaslight and the chat were saying, <laughs> you know, jokingly, oh, why don't you name it Kevin? And I did. So Kevin came back as a ghost. And that's the thing, though. It's just this story that you yeah. build beyond the games. Oh, it's, it's an incredible thing. Like, if anybody hasn't played a Nuzlocke, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. 100%. Yeah. But that brings us on, of course, not only to the way people play it, but the way people decide to try and make their own, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> Some better than others. You know, you've got your Pokemon MMOs, or attempts at MMOs before they get shut down by <laughs> Nintendo. You've got your, I think Pokemon Uranium was like a yeah. big thing before that got a cease and desist, because Nintendo are very... Proactive. Proactive. That is a very good diplomatic <laughs> word. The Red Panda lawyer in the corner's yeah. not... <laughs> <laughs> You're getting timed out right yeah. now. You just you have so many fan games and I have to say this is something we were talking about before we started recording, but varying degrees is the word I'd use. Yeah, and what to me is so fascinating about the fan games, because there's kind of multiple layers to this, so I'm kinda yeah. I actually want to scale back very slightly from fan games to fan hacks. Because mm. they're very slightly different. So you get people that have just built onto the original games with like ROM hacking and things like that. And what I think is really cool about them is they all scale from quality of life the running shoes are always switched on and or people yeah, yeah. have hacked the running shoes into the first generation of games just to make the games play a bit easier speed up I've seen one recently where it was someone did a demake of generation 3 put it into generation 1 stuff like that so you get like what's very simple and just taking what's already there and just giving it a new lease of life maybe bringing quality of life yeah. and one of the, the other really famous ones that I don't think looks that fun to play but I'm glad they made it was Pokemon 3D yeah. which was gen 1 but they just turned it into a 3D game again I'm not playing it because it looks terrible <laughs> because these games were not made for 3D but it's an incredible project and I think it's really cool that they've done it but that's that side of it but when it comes to fan games like the full on this is a person what they've done is they've taken it's usually the generation 3 games because I think they're a bit easier to mm. deal with and they will make either an, a completely original game or they will do something with the assets so some of those like you said varying degrees of success what I really like about them is the ones that always try to get quite edgy yeah. and I don't know what it is I guess it's as we get older and I guess you've probably covered a lot of this when you spoke about Sonic but there's a <laughs> It's a lot of crossover of people really wanting Pokemon to be way edgier than it is. Yeah, because I think it was when we did Sonic Month that Adam and I were discussing Shadow the Hedgehog and how the only reason for its existence was a kid saying, can Mr. Sonic have a gun? And they said, no, no, don't be daft. We're obviously not giving our flagship mascot a gun. Unless. <laughs> Unless we can make money. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't give Sonic the gun, but they gave Shadow the gun. So, yeah. There's that kind of overlap between people growing up with the games and wanting something a bit more mature for the mm. palettes, as it were. Some other palette towns. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, PS and Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Cease and desist <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Please, for our own sake. Yeah. But yeah, you get an overlap of people who don't really understand, yeah. I suppose. And I, I don't mean to be critical against anyone, but some people who don't understand that at the end of the day, this is a children's franchise. And don't get me wrong, I've played up to, oh, what did I say, Generation 7 or 8? I don't know, whatever Sword and Shield is, because I used to know the generations. And now <laughs> there's just so many. I think it's Generation 8. But anyway, I've played up to Sword and Shield. 
and I feel as if the games are definitely getting a lot more kid-friendly. It's not like in the 90s where it was cool to have an antagonist, that, or rather a rival, who was just a complete prat towards you, who was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to kick your Pokemon in the face. And you're like, why would you do this? <laughs> why would you do this? Oh, because I'm edgy and, you know, this and that, because that was popular in the 90s and the early 2000s. Hashtag, it was a different time. <laughs> But yeah, for nowadays, it's all very squeaky clean. Oh, I'll help you be the very best in things. And on the one hand, you know, you do look at that as an adult and think, these kids these days, they've got it soft and everything. <laughs> but at the same time, I can blame them for making a child's franchise child-friendly. Mm. You know, you can't sit here and be like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. I do agree. I think it's gotten a lot more kid-friendly. But as a kid's franchise, <laughs> I hate to say it. That's why they've got things like Detective Pikachu which is a bit more you know it's not overly adult it's very much more appealing to teenagers and people who grew up with it and so forth so yeah there's a lot of um what's the right word here <laughs> a lot of games that are as you said are quite edgy realistic blood quote unquote <laughs> one of the things I always laugh at is people that want the Pokemon games to be more difficult but don't understand difficulty curves oh yeah and so you'll get a lot of the fan games the first battle will be like level 20 and you've got like level 5 uh, and it's like this isn't a fun experience you, what you've done is you've wanted a, a team full of Lucarios that are all level uh, 20s and you've not really thought about wait a minute the player's got a level 2 Bulbasaur here <laughs> for all the criticism that Game Freak and Pokemon Company get they do know how to structure a game correctly <laughs> but one of the things I think is really cool is the next step beyond the ROM hacks which is people using the assets to make entirely new games and obviously Pokemon themselves have done this which I think is why it's caught on so well so you get things like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon which is like an entirely different genre of game you know, Pokemon Snap you get things like that so people want to also do that yeah one of the best ones I've seen of that is a game called Pokemon Nightmare Invasion and this is I think it's RPG Maker I could be wrong it could be a ROM hack but effectively you're a detective and you get called to investigate everyone's favourite Lavender Town but it's not set in the Pokemon world it's set in our world it's effectively like Silent Hill yeah and over time Pokemon start appearing but it's like Alakazam and they're, you know they're using like mind control and stuff and it's a really clever game and they've taken the assets from Pokemon and made a shooter detective game like yeah. basically Resident Evil or Silent Hill using Pokemon it's like that is an incredible achievement but also the fact the game's decent is yeah. like so surprising <laughs> like that's someone put their heart and soul into this and I think that's even though we were kind of teasing about the other ROM hacks is like some people do put an incredible amount of effort into oh, these yeah. they are incredibly challenging to do and as you mentioned often you just get hit with a season desist at the end of it all but what a testament to people love of Pokemon that they're willing to do that. No, you're absolutely right because there's a lot of creators that I've seen online, not even like Alfred and you know, the usual ones that look into the core mechanics of the game, but there's been quite a few that I've seen that kind of develop from it. I mean, look at other things like Temtem and what's the other one? Cassette Beast? Cassette Beast, thank you. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there. <laughs> you know, those kind of things, Digimon excluded here, but you know, those type of indie games that have spawned from Pokemon yep. and they've essentially just taken the same core mechanics and yeah they've basically just reformed them into their own thing and it is amazing to see how 
how people do get inspired. Because when you were talking about how they use assets to make their own games, one of the ones that I find interesting is the almost machinimas that mm. people have made. Yeah. Did you ever see a lot of these growing up? Like, just in general? I was aware of them, but they're not something that I was too into at the time. Yeah. But you were telling me about this before we started, so I'd like to hear more about it. Yeah, so one of the ones that I remember when I was growing up and I saw this on YouTube, it was... It didn't age well, <laughs> to be honest. Because it's okay, it was YouTube, it was yeah. a different time. I mean, it was made by a teenager, evidently and very obviously a teenager. And it was like a cross between Pokemon, Dragon Ball. But the thing is, the way they would do it is they would record the gameplay, but they would also hack the game so that they were able to change the scene and everything. They were able to do battles between certain characters and things. They would do palette swaps of the colours of the characters. It's a clever idea, but I'm going to be honest, see when you're doing punching animations where it equivalent, <laughs> equivalent so to yeah, walking into someone and the wee R's are going dun, dun. And that was meant to be the punching bit. It was like he would do the teleport, so you would hear like that. But the weird thing as well is he would have custom, or these people as well, they would also have like custom Mm. sprites of these characters. So there was like sub-series where people would, again, like that detective one, they would be a detective with a Lucario, they would have this fully-fledged story. But the genre that was most popular that I noticed was the Pokemon Legend series. So the most popular one I saw was the Water Pokemon Legend where, again, the Dragon Ball Z (laughs) But, you know, you would have other things, like you would have Grass Pokemon Legend, Rock Pokemon, Elemental, you know, you would have all these different people coming in, Fire Legend and things like that. They would do crossovers, you know. But the fact is, despite the intense lore here, Mm. (laughs) the fact is that it's just amazing how that spawned from the games. Yeah, I think it's so similar to Sonic in many ways, it's like people want this extra layer to these games. They want to be in them. They want their characters to be in them something you mentioned earlier as well as like fake Pokemon the yeah. fake ones and like how that's its own genre of people like wouldn't it be cool if this Pokemon actually evolved into this Pokemon and once if this happened and once if and it's this incredible like every time a new Pokemon game starts coming out a whole bunch of fake ones get sort of brought out because people are like hey I saw this clip from a Japanese newspaper and it was saying that this Pokemon's in Sword and Shield and it's just like no you you drew that yourself out there you, you were trying to you were trying to get the people on board but like some of the stuff people come up with is amazing for that my favourite one for that and it reminds me of do you remember that scene in The Simpsons where I can't remember Homer's telling something to Bart, Lisa and Marge and Lisa says Mom, tell us how it really happened and she says very dejectedly that's how it happened Lisa and she goes oh. <laughs> see when they get a real leak and they think oh no this is fake like swole swamp air I can remember that was floating around and oh it was so funny people going no 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 where's the real leak and everyone dejectedly is like no, that's the real leak here guys oh no <laughs> Oh no! There's two Pokemon fan games that I think deserve a hell of a lot of praise mm. that I want to talk about. And it'd be bad. The first one, I think, Pokemon Showdown. Oh, I think, I think yeah. you have to talk about this because this, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is like probably the biggest to the stage where I forget it's a fan game. So, Pokemon Showdown, for those who don't know, it's just like an online battle simulator, effectively. Yeah. So, you go on, you build your team, and you get to fight people. And effectively, it's just like an online Pokemon Coliseum. And the fact it exists is so bizarre to me that it shows you Game Freak have never covered it. If yeah. that makes sense, that like, there's never been a, a thing that 
you can just plug in and type in a Pokemon and get them. And I think that's such a fantastic concept. And it's led to things like when we're talking about Nuzlocke's earlier, that you'll see people who, like the proper hardcore Nuzlocke, yeah. Ironmon people, will go on to Pokemon Showdown and type in this Pokemon events, this Pokemon level 50, level 50. It's going to hit me with this. How much damage is it going to do? Yeah. And Pokemon Showdown will go, oh, 100. You know, and yeah. it can work it all out. And I just think that's such an incredible thing. And you get all these people that do various compilations of Pokemon Showdown and the test out teams and there's world, there's world tournaments in it. And I just think it's an incredible bit of kit that someone's made this. Yeah. And it's got a huge uh, online community though. It is quite weird and I'm not willing this into existence but it's weird. You're right how Game Freak hasn't stopped it unless there's been a back and forth or there's been news about it that I'm not aware of. But yeah, it's amazing how it is still available nowadays and especially with Nintendo because as we established they are <laughs> very trigger happy when it comes to taking down different properties yeah. that relate to theirs. Even when you get fan animations and things, they're quite, I mean, they're a bit like Disney in that regard, in the sense that someone makes like this really cool, yeah. very similar thing, and they go, oh, no, 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 no you can't do that. <laughs> Which I can kind of understand, because uh, as a very harshly established here, Pokemon is a children's franchise, mm. so I can kind of see why they wouldn't want people outside their sphere of influence promoting their product as it were even though the fact it's gotten so big yeah. that you know they can't can I talk about something that is a bit and this is something that I'm sure you've seen I'm sure the oh, wider yeah. Pokemon community have seen can we talk about ugly depictions of Pokemon okay like yes. realistic depictions of Pokemon and I use that <laughs> so loosely because back in the day it was limited to the anime it yep. was limited to the games you, know, you had the ugly sprite <laughs> that's all you had but when it came to realistic depictions we didn't really get a proper one until Detective Pikachu I want yeah. to say whenever they promoted it do you remember the cartoons and things promoting the games and there was the bus driver yeah. <laughs> like crunching them together and there was a cartoon version of themselves or nowadays if they've got like Pokemon Go it's going to be yes. the 3D ones but, yeah but they're yeah. very much the Pokemon from the games put yeah. into our world but there was a guy I don't know who the person is but I think it's the same guy who got maybe hired or maybe inspired the designs for (laughs) exactly that would never go wrong (laughs) but I think he was the source of influence for the way they designed the realistic Pokemon in Detective Pikachu now here's my problem there are a lot of people who do realistic Mm. Pokemon and they look ugly as hell I'm sorry (laughs) I cannot stand see when it's like oh yeah but that Pokemon would have spikes and horrible boils over it it's like why why yeah exactly (laughs) Pokemon there's a fantasy game where you catch magical creatures. <laughs> now, let's say you take it into the real world, and we've done an extensive episode mm. talking about Pokemon in the real world and all that, but why would you want that? Why would you want the ugliest <laughs> thing? Whenever you see even cute Pokemon like Pikachu or Eevee, it's like something out of the Dark Ages, like that big <laughs> rat with teeth and things. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, because that's what I want to catch. That rodent. <laughs> it's like Dr. Eggman now, Jesus, but you know what I mean? It's just one final game. I do want to chat about I've been holding this off because I unironically this is a fan game and I unironically think this is the best Pokemon game ever made it's called Pokemon Fusions so if you haven't seen Pokemon Fusions you will have seen Pokemon Fusions in some form because you will have once upon a time there was a website and they would just combine the two sprites and someone went wouldn't that be funny if that was in a game and so you catch two Pokemon and you can fuse them and what's really incredible is that original website idea would just take the two sprites and just kind of go there's the top half there's the bottom half there's your new Pokemon and it would join the two Pokemon so you'd get like Charmander and Bulbasaur and it'd become Bulbachar or something then it would combine 
Chad. Proper Chad. <laughs> and it'll combine the two sprites. But what happened with this game is there's an entire like Discord community who have made, I want to say like 100,000 sprites or something like, I mean, some ludicrous number. And it's only going up every day where they're drawing all these Pokemon combinations because it's got access from Gen 1 to 8 or 9, whatever it would be. So that's like multiple billions of potential combinations yeah. of Pokemon. But this one, this game has like, you can combine all these Pokemon and they get certain moves and they get certain types. It's Generation 1, or the Kanto region, I should say, sorry, is the basis of the game. But they've also added their own stuff and they've changed the story and they've kind of dealt about in different ideas through things that were kind of hinted at in other games. You know, like Team Rocket have a much bigger presence and they're a lot more like, com- like not competent to the word, but they're a lot more involved because that was always hinted at the games where yeah. they never really did that. And I genuinely think it's the best Pokemon game ever made. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> about the best Pokemon game ever made being made yeah. is not made by Pokemon but what's so fascinating to me is like I said you can combine any Pokemon with any Pokemon it raises the Pokemon from 800 to approximately 1 billion or something why Nintendo haven't had this idea for themselves so they can make 1 billion plushies <laughs> I do not know, but that will be my one thing about this whole thing about Beyond the Games is do a Nuzlocke, do a randomizer. But number one thing I'm going to recommend from all of this is go play Pokemon Fusions because it has renewed my love of Pokemon. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I do not play many Pokemon games. Obviously, I don't play any of the new ones because. No, why? <laughs> because I'm not going to sit and pay 60 quid on the Switch for a game. <laughs> I played Pokemon Stadium recently, but Pokemon Fusions, incredible game, and I'd recommend it to anyone because I do think it's genuinely a piece of art. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. The interesting thing is the fact that the fans have looked at the almost realistic animal study aspect, sure. which I have to say isn't something, ironically enough, not really promoted mm. as much in the games. It's like, oh yes, big Pokemon, strong Pokemon, yes. <laughs> good for team. <laughs> you know, that's it. They don't really go beyond that to say, oh, it does, because I mean, the Pokedex does, but then they even started getting a bit edgy where they're like, the sandcastle likes to eat children. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, no. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not play this game than you. But yeah, it's really interesting because there's a lot of people who talk about the regional varieties of Pokemon. Mm. Steam Pokemon, if you will. And yeah, I don't know, Aurora Borealis in this regional, <laughs> this region. No. Yeah, it's interesting to see that even though I think it was Generation 7, Sun and Moon, although I could be wrong in that, but I'm sure it was Sun and Moon that introduced them. So it's like you would get regional varieties of Pokemon that already existed. You know, you got Vulpix, Raichu, which is still one of my favourites. Although Raichu is one of the best Pokemon ever made. <laughs> it really is. S-tier. Like, you know when you think back and you think, oh, what Pokemon team would I have in real life? And usually I think, well, I'd have to have Pikachu because it was the very first Pokemon yep. and I would definitely evolve it to Raichu because I love it. But it is so good <laughs> that I would retroactively go back in time and be like, stop. <laughs> evolve it into Alolan Raichu. Take this guy on the surfboard instead. Yeah. I mean, he eats pancakes and he's got psychic powers. What more could you want? What more do I want out of my yeah. own life? But that's the thing, though, and that is a very big problem with the games. It's like they introduce a really cool feature, whether that's mega evolutions, whether it's regional variants, and technically they brought them back in Scarlet and Violet, but they look awful. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think it's something because they do constantly pick up like, new ideas and drop them. Mm. So there's a new one in Scarlet and Violet, which I can't remember the name of Tetera, Tetera something. It's like you change the type of the Pokemon. Oh, 
terrorize. That's what I said. So if you just cut what I said, editor's note, cut what I said and put in the right thing. <laughs> that will be gone yeah. next generation because they'll move on. But like that's kind of why we're like fan games, especially something like Pokemon Showdown, because that still has Gigamax and Dynamax and Mega Evolutions. And yeah. They all exist at once and the games weren't meant for that. And yeah. that's kind of what's amazing about it. I think it's so fascinating. Because I mean, on the one hand, you could look at it as, oh, it's its own experience, mm. you know, it's its own isolated thing. Gen 6 was the gen of Mega Evolutions, yep. Gen 7 was the Z moves, Gen 8 was Dynamax and Gigamax and Chad Max and if you will. And then, of course, the other one was that terrorization, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but they are really emphasizing, and they do this in the films mm. and things, even when they retroactively go back in the films and they say things like, We want to show that Pokemon is a cohesive world now, because yes. when it started off completely, you know, it was completely fractured as it were, and they were still not sure whether they wanted real yes. animals within it or not. And I mean, the fans even pick up on this, of course, but then once the universe got bigger and got more successful, they kind of thought, right, we need to <laughs> read this in, guys. We need to unite it together. And it's just, it's such a weird thing to see it all come together. Yeah, it's something that I think fans are trying to do. They're trying to basically patch up, not the mistakes as it were, but they're trying to patch up what Game Freak can, really. Yeah, I, I think calling them mistakes isn't the worst thing because you do see the community, you know, we've, we've chatted at length about Pokemon's a game for kids and there's a lot of adults that like it and therefore they're always going to be left behind. But the things like, why can't all 900 Pokemon be in one game? Why does something have to get left behind? Why why did these characters that we really like not ever turn up again? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's always going to be something that Pokemon, the fans will try plug those gaps for. And that's the thing though, it's something that I think you've brought up to me before, like in the past, the fact that if somebody doesn't like a game and you know they complain about the new iterations and then you think well they've got the old ones to go back to there's a lot of people who are making modern iterations of the old games so they're bringing the nostalgia from the old ones and they're bringing it to the new because it's something that Game Freak doesn't really do like they had Pokemon Let's Go and they've had the remasters of games to varying degrees of success Heart Gold, Soul Silver, absolutely fantastic then Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire uh, People enjoyed it enough, I think, that it still looked on relatively fondly, but it did miss out a lot of content. Mm. But then by the time we got to Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, kind of dropped the ball. And that's the thing, though. Now people are going in and creating their own things. Yeah. And it's amazing to see it. But yeah, if Nintendo would stop striking them down, that'd be, <laughs> that would be nice. I do want to quickly mention Game Freak when you listen to this before you strike us down. We'll come back stronger. We'll come back stronger. <laughs> Can you put in like a hard mode back into the games? Because that was in one of the games, like Black and White. And can you also put a thing in that stops Jim Lee issues and items? Thanks. I have to say, this is my last comic of the episode, but yeah, black and white, black and white to height of Pokemon. I would say it's by far one of, if not the best Pokemon. And that's coming from someone who adores the Johto games. That is like the tier that I think everyone should be striving to. Because I mean, I think even when people go back to put in the sprites and things for the new Pokemon, they still base it off of black and white, yeah. which is really interesting. That's what, yeah. I, was gonna, that's what I think I was going to say when you said black and white the best I think they are and I think when people go back to the older games like I was talking about quality of life improvements yeah. it's the stuff from black and white gets put back in Yeah, you know and that was the game that was the best to play on that note Martin thank you so so much for talking about Pokemon beyond the games I've got nothing left to say thanks <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were throwing it back to me thanks for having me on <laughs> 
And yeah, if you want to listen to more episodes of Pokemon Month, as well as other episodes with us just messing about as well, <laughs> you can catch us on the website, chatsandabby.com. I also want to thank our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. If you want to get more exclusive content, such as commentary tracks, early access and exclusive episodes, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash chatsandabby. But until then, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly... R.I.P. Keith. Oh, it's Kevin. Oh, no, I forgot. I did it wrong. He said you'd never forget. <laughs> End the episode. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives to both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hello, my name is Kayla, and my co-host Lexi and I host a podcast called A Little Wicked. On our show, we discuss true crime cases such as serial killers, missing persons, and victims of crime, along with cults, conspiracies, cryptids, urban legends, and everything in between. Find us on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.